Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sports Day for Kia. The striking Kia range. The cornerstone of progressive technology, blistering performance and quality design. That's Kia. Uh, hi everyone, good afternoon to you, great to be here, it's a Monday afternoon, a bit of a warm one today but later on I'll let you know that things are going to cool down a bit from tomorrow and the remainder of this working week. What a weekend, unbelievable what happened in Perth, uh, musically of course this stadium that we broadcast from, that's where our SEN studios are here at Optus Stadium, 50,000 here last night to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Post Malone. In fact, Damo, who was on the run home with Paul Hazelby, uh, has just vacated the studio, but he was here last night amongst those 50,000 to see it all happen and said it was a great concert. We had Sting uh, perform two nights at Kings Park. And then sporting-wise, we had that event yesterday morning, which was quite incredible, really, because it led the news bulletins, the TV news bulletins last night, UFC 284. And the who's who of the Perth A-listers were there to rub shoulders with uh, the man in the street who paid hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to get there last night. No names, no pack drill, but I was at the Perth Glory on Saturday night because I have uh, MC responsibilities there. And I sat down at the first half and I saw an old schoolmate of mine. So I decided to sit next to him and we chatted. He was there with his wife. And my schoolmate was there and brought his daughter along, who's 22. And she brought her boyfriend, who's 24. Anyway, I got talking to the young fella who was there. And I said, what sports do you follow? And he says, yeah, I like my soccer and I like my cricket. and But I really like my UFC. I said, you like cage fighting, do you? He goes, really do. I said, you're going tomorrow morning? He says, I can't wait. I'm going and I'll be there when the doors open at 5 a.m. I said, how much did the ticket cost you? And he said to me, and he's 24 years of age, he said to me, I missed out. I remember going online and I was online two hours before the tickets were released for UFC 284 online. I was waiting two hours and I saw the countdown, another hour and 50 to go, bang, bang, bang. It got to zero and the tickets were open. And by the time I managed to get on, they were sold out online, sold out. So he couldn't get any. So I said, what did you do? And he said, I was so desperate to go, I got onto resale and sought what I could get from a resale perspective. I said, how much did you pay? He says, $1,000. This is a 24-year-old young boy who is just finished university, has just started employment, and he outlaid $1,000 for that event yesterday, and he wasn't sorry about it. He was so looking forward to it. He was going to make a day of it. And I'm going to speak to Brett Bonetti a bit later on. He's our 
MMA UFC expert, and he's going to tell us just on gate sales alone, people that purchase tickets, how much people invested in that event yesterday. You would be staggered by the not hundreds of thousands, but millions of dollars that culminated in the 15,000 people that were there and from an accumulation point of view, what was paid. That's coming up later on when we wrap it all up with Brett Benetti, our UFC expert. For those people that don't like cage fighting, like me, I wasn't a huge fan, but I think we need to be a bit more open-minded here because this is a significant sport that is growing in leaps and bounds. And if the 24-year-old young fellow that I got to chat to on Saturday night is an indication of the interest in this sport, then maybe the old buggers like me and others, we might have to be a bit more accepting of uh, the sport and what it has to offer, even though, as we can see, it is quite brutal. All right, come and join us on the Tempera Bedshed text machine. Love to hear from you. 0487 736 736. Bedshed are the experts in temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases. Check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au. We are here for Kia, progressive technology, blistering performance, and quality design. And there you go. The great Kia has just passed us by. Oh, by the way, I popped into Osmond Park Kia. Uh, just the other day and caught up with dealer principal Tony Salerno there in Scarborough Beach Road in Aussie Park. Uh, a keen supporter, our Kia, of SENWA and, of course, Osmond Park Kia, a great dealership there in Scarborough Beach Road in Aussie Park. If you're in the market for a Kia, go see Tony and the boys. All right, let's get into our top five at five. It's all thanks to Novus. There is a Novus near you, 1322 24 and let's kick it off at number five and it was a disappointing performance by wa in the sheffield shield in the air this could be it mid on it's under it and daniel drew completes a brilliant match for him and his side the redbacks bowled western australia at for 303 they win the match by 164 runs Yes, yeah, a disappointing performance by WA. South Australia match scores seven for 438. They then rolled WA out in their first innings for only 162. It was going to be hard work from there. Uh, South Australia second time batted and declared at six for 191. And as you heard, WA all out for 303. In their second innings, South Australia winning by 164 runs. Cam Bancroft made 80. Uh, Hilton Cartwright, 50. Aaron Hardy, 40. Josh Inglis, 43. They all got starts. Marcus Stoinis, 23. And when you look at some of the calibre of names, Sean Marsh only made 16. There's some decent batting there. We just didn't get it together in this Shield game against South Australia. Of course, WA on top and South Australia, I think, uh, propping it up about second bottom. But uh, you wouldn't think from that result of the Adelaide Oval that they were so wide apart on the Sheffield Shield ladder. Coming at number four, the superhero of women's football has arrived back home. So, with Van Egmont, the pass, and Kerr with goal number 50. Fowler, that's a good ball. The flag has stayed down again. And here is Kerr. Two goals in two minutes. Yeah, Sam Kerr's back in Australia. The Matildas will come out all guns blazing with spots on the line at their dress rehearsal for the World Cup. Uh, Sam Kerr is ready to bring her scintillating form with Chelsea back home. Of course, they play some friendly, friendlies of the Australians. It begins on Thursday. 
as the Matildas take on the likes of Spain and Jamaica as they look to simulate the challenge they face in the World Cup group stage. So good luck to Sam Kerr and the Matildas, and we'll see them uh, firsthand here in Australia in the middle of the year. And in particular, uh, we hope that they can go all the way. At number three, Matt Kuhneman, who we saw in the decider. The grand final in the Big Bash, he was bowling for the Brisbane Heat against the Perth Scorchers. Well, he's in India getting ready to possibly play in the second test. Day three of the Shield game, um, I got a got a call from from George Bailey and just and just told me um, to begin the flight Monday morning to head over there to to play Swepo. Um So no, the news was really exciting. And he said, "Did you is your passport in? Did you bring your passport to Melbourne?" And luckily enough, it was in my bag. So um, I got got one of the, got one of the Queensland boys to bring down some some clothes for me and went from there. Crazy for me, it's crazy. Now I'm going to speak to Kate Harvey shortly. The head of high performance at the WACA ground. Ashton Agar was pulled out of the Perth Scorchers decider side, the grand final, to go to a all-spinners camp. Okay, all the spinners. Nathan Lyon was there, Matthew Swepson, blah, blah, blah. Ashton Agar. And he's gone to India. He's missed out on the first test. Congratulations to Todd Murphy for grabbing his opportunity. Swepson now is back home. Uh, waiting the arrival of his first child. Why would you fly another spinner over? Matt Kuhneman, who's untried. Ashton Agar is a tried left-arm orthodox spin bowler. Give him an opportunity if you want to go that way. It is diabolical. How would Ashton Agar be feeling right at this point in time? We're going to talk to Kate Harvey more about that in a moment. But let's continue the top five at five. Thanks to Novus. There's one near you, 13, 22, 24. At number two is Alex Volkanovsky, of course, going down in the big main event at RAC Arena yesterday. A lot of people are going to be happy with that because they didn't give me a chance, but I gave my, myself a chance and I was expecting to win. Um, I knew he was really good. I just knew I prepared uh, properly. And, but, hey, it was, a, it was a fun fight, you know. Um, maybe I could have capitalised in some positions a bit more. Um, left it a little late, but, hey, what do you do? Congrats uh, to Isla. Yeah, well done. And real sportsmanlike by Alex as well, the way he spoke uh, post-bout. Uh, and number one is the big one that happened this morning. What did you think of the halftime show? Boys, did you like it? Rihanna dressed in all red. Uh, she looked really good. She looked really good and performed exceptionally well. And if you were scared of heights, you wouldn't have done what Rihanna did. She was hoisted high in the stadium. If you haven't caught it, have a look. Give us your thoughts on uh, the Super Bowl if you saw it this morning and particularly the halftime show, which I believe rates higher than the match itself in the United States of America because all the young people gravitate to see the performance, particularly with Rihanna, who's, of course, from the West Indies, Barbados. She hasn't performed for about four years. They all wanted to see what she was like, and she was very, very good. Anyway, back to the match. Number one, the NFL's ultimate magician, Patrick Mahomes, is a Super Bowl champion again after the league's MVP led the Kansas City Chiefs to a 38-35 win over the Philadelphia Eagles, and SEN was there. One play left in all likelihood. Jalen Hurts, he's got to come up with a miracle. He backs into the pocket. He lets the receivers get to the end zone. He stands and he heaves down the field. It's short of the end zone. And the Chiefs win Super Bowl 57. It is a legacy moment for Patrick Mahomes. 
It is testimony to the genius of Andy Reid. And it is pandemonium for this generation of Chiefs. Yes, yeah, the Super Bowl early today. That was Jared Rightly uh, calling the action there from Arizona. Uh, of course, don't let your old windscreen end up as a landfill. Called Nova's Glass, 13-22-34. What's going on in India? Okay, Matt Kuhneman on his way. Where does this leave Ashton Agar? I reckon everybody at the WAC is probably a bit puzzled with what's going on. Anyway, we're going to have a chat to Kate Harvey, the General Manager of High Performance at the WACA, after the break here on Sports Day WA for Kia. Sports Day for Kia. The striking Kia range. The cornerstone of progressive technology, blistering performance and quality design. That's Kia. Yes, coming up 16 past five, Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos on this Monday. As you heard, all thanks to Kia, progressive technology, blistering performance and quality design. I've just realised it's Valentine's Day tomorrow, the 14th of February. Boys, you've got something organised, have you? Uh, you romantics out there, Lee and Jimmy. Uh, I reckon Kate Harvey would be a bit of a romantic, I reckon. Uh, he comes from that generation. He's the head of uh, high performance, the general manager at the WACA. Kate, uh, thanks for joining us on the program. No worries, Pete. You got anything organised for the lady in your life tomorrow, mate? Oh, no, I probably need to weave some magic, I think. Haven't uh, <laughs> caught me off guard there, but I'll, uh, I'll weave something between now and then. Yeah, just do what I do on the way home. Just go to Beaufort Street, get a bunch of flowers and take them home. That's what I tend to do from our uh, friends there on Beaufort Street. But uh, saying that, on a bit more of a cricket note, I was a bit disappointed with WA's performance at the Adelaide Oval. That uh, They just didn't seem to get it together. Nah, no, nah, I think we're a bit slow off the mark and um, by the time we sort of woke up and, and got into the game, it was probably a bit too late. So that's, um, oh, look, I think that's, um, that's the reality of, of bouncing out of the big bash and, and straight into shield cricket. You know, from a player and staff perspective, it's um, yeah, it's pretty challenging going from slogging white balls for a period of time and preparing for that and then and then strolling in and, and playing mm-hmm. four-day cricket. So it's, yeah, really disappointing. But um, I think the positive sign is that you know, sort of the last two days, we'd, we'd sort of uh, found a bit of fight and and um, played some bit better cricket, which, um, you know, hopefully we can take into the next game where we're, um, yeah, there's still a huge opportunity. We're still top of the ladder. We're still controlling our own destiny. But, yeah, certainly the boys need to be a bit better um, after, after a poor day one, I suppose. Didn't really help. It's interesting what you said about uh, getting out of T20 cricket in the Big Bash. When you look at the WA side, Bancroft, you know, Cartwright, Hardy, Inglis, Stoinis, Kelly... Uh, Rocket Choli, you know, they all played in the BBL. So you reckon there was a bit of a hangover, possibly? Oh, look, I think I don't want to make too many excuses. It's the, it's the modern world of modern world of cricket. Is that you need to you need to adapt. But I think if you look at both Queensland and us, who had a you know high percentage of their players playing big bash and um, and playing in a big final and all the things that come with that, um, both teams were probably were probably poor in that in this first round after. After the BBL last year, we had two and a half weeks. I think from the time we finished, we played the final to our our first shield game, and that's a that's a big difference to five days. So, um, you know, that's that's something that we'll certainly address in terms of how we perform day one. You know, we obviously didn't read the wicket um, and the conditions probably as well as, as as it played out. You know, we won the toss and decided to bowl, and when someone puts four seventy on you when you've won the toss and bowl, then clearly we probably just haven't got that quite right. But 
um, and then the execution. So, yeah, certainly someone will have a look at, but that's that's what the modern player gets asked to do more and more now. The guys went from the BBL um, to a test series in India in less than two weeks. So um, it's something players need to adapt to for sure. Saying that, let's go to India. I feel sorry for Ashton Agar. Um, he was taken out of that Big Bash final, the decider, to go to that spinner's training camp before they headed off to the subcontinent. And many thought that he would play in the first test. In the end, Todd Murphy played. And in the end, it was a good call looking at his figures, taking a seven for. But all of a sudden now, Matt Kuhneman is on his way there. The fellow that we saw here bowling for the Brisbane Heat in that decider in front of 50-odd thousand people. Where does this leave Ashton Agar? And, and it's a puzzling move for mine. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's obviously, um, you know, it was, it was a tough experience probably for Ashton going back as far as the Sydney test, I think. Um, you know, the conditions where, there, where he was bowling on a wicket that probably wasn't conducive, all the, all the spin um, wasn't really suited to the left-arm orthodox and the, and the game didn't really go the distance. So it wasn't um, a great audition for what India might have presented. I think with Koenemann, all they're doing is they're, they're finding another, per, another player who can take the ball away from the right-handers. They just don't think we've got another leg spinner um, that would have replaced Mitch Swepson. So they want the next best guy who who can take the ball away from the riders and give them that two-and-two two option that it sounds like they're after. So, um, yeah, whether, whether he jumps the queue and, and plays in front of Ash, I'm not really sure. It's a tough read. Um, with that, I suppose, I think, you know, the Travis Head runs obviously confused a few in terms of where he was at. So they're trying to play a horses for courses, maybe selection policy, which, um, yeah, it'd just be really interesting to see what they do in the, in the next test. But I think, um, you know, Kuhneman's done well over a period of time and he's, as I said, he takes the ball away from the right-hander, so I think um, I think that's as much as there is into it. And then they'll they'll pick their best eleven at this mm. next Test match. Always interesting when they change a venue a few days out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just going to say there's, that there's a bit happening over there. I think. Yeah, a bit happening. As you mentioned, they have changed uh, the venue. The fact that uh, the match that was due to be played up there uh, in the Himalayas or around that area, Dara Dar, I think it was Dharam Salah. Uh, the pitch inspection today, they reckon the new wicket is substandard. It's been a pretty harsh winter conditions in the region and the Atfield reportedly lacks sufficient grass. So they've changed it now and we've played in uh, indoor. So uh, plenty happening there in India. Saying that, going back to Ashton Agar, do you reach out to him knowing that at the moment he's probably feeling a bit insecure or he would have been disappointed missing out on that first test? Or is that basically controlled by the inner sanctum there of the players and the, and the support staff that are there with Australia at the moment? Oh, look, I don't personally. I, I think it's a, it's a challenging one for, for players like Ash who are constantly going back and forward. And I think one of the things that the players do well when, when they do transition environments is try and stay, stay as present as they can. Um, I know Ash has got a really strong, you know, support network around him. Um, we, we certainly provide support through Adam and and some of our staff where required. But um, you know, I think it's a it's a challenging one for him to to work through. We probably noticed a little bit post the Sydney Test that you know his his Test career is a big part of his career, and um, there, there was obviously a lot on the line from his point of view, and even some of that external pressure. So um, he, he'll manage that as best he can. He's been around the traps for a while, I think. You know, the, the Ashes experience when he was a young fellow was, was a challenging one. So he'll have some things to draw on um, to help him through that. But I think, you know, like I say, I think he's, he's got a good, strong support network around him. And hopefully the Australian team are, are getting around him. And if there's anything that we can do to support him in the background, then we're, we're more than happy to. But historically, it's, 
it's sort of those guys are trying to stay as present as they can in the environment they are because um, they can get pulled in, mm. in in different directions quite a bit. So, um, yeah, ho- hopefully he can work through it. Um, the game can change pretty quick. You know, he can get a go and and um, and uh, and hopefully go well. So hopefully that's in front of him. Uh, this is just a question without notice. Uh, they took 17 to India, yet that they can call on at the drop of the hat and get players over. Why would they take such a big squad now on overseas tours, particularly to places like India, uh, maybe places that are closer to Australia, Sri Lanka, New Zealand? You wouldn't want to take extended squads because all of a sudden, Ashton Agar, even though he was called into the 17, isn't playing cricket could be back here maybe just refining his art with WA in, in Sheffield Shield cricket and, if required, can get called up. Do you think there's a need anymore with what we've seen with Kuhneman as an example of having 17 players in the squad going to an overseas tour or maybe reducing that to 14 and, if need be, bolster it as the series progresses? Yeah, I think we saw that a little bit when they didn't take Josh Inglis. They sort of wanted a different option within the group and, and allow Josh to play some shield cricket. You know, he'd sort of been one that was sitting on the pine. Um, I think certainly post-COVID, we've seen a smaller squad with the Australian team than what we saw during that two years where you needed bigger group. I think the main reason in this instance was was clearly around having spin options. But they also, you know, two of those guys that are in that in that 17-player squad were Green and Stark. So all of a sudden, you take, you're taking two guys that are under an injury cloud. Um, and your squad becomes 15, really. Um, so I think with a few blokes, um, you know, with, with those type of injuries and, and reasonable parts of the team, um, and I think it's also, India is not the sort of place where you just rock up and, and you're good to go. You know, within Australia or even the UK, you can probably afford to have um, a slightly smaller group and, and call some in. I think India, the country, um, having been there um, it's sort of pretty rough if you're calling someone in at short notice and then throwing them into the team. Um, you know, it'd be a big call from to, for example, to even Matt Kerneman if he gets there today. Um, so I think the bigger squad size, it's also a huge tour in Australia's calendar. The Ashes and Indian tours are, are big tours. So, um, yeah, I think in this instance, I'm, I'm okay with it. I think um, it's, a, it's a pretty tough place to tour and, and giving, you know, they're, they're, that group the best chance um, with the Test Championship coming up. Um, it, it probably makes a bit of sense in this instance, but we have seen a, a narrowing of those groups through the summer, and and, and re, you just want players playing as much cricket as they can, so mm. um, unless unless sitting on the pine. So um, yeah, I'm sure that'll all work out. Um, you know, there's a fair few of those guys. I think at the end of the series, if if we haven't played 14 or 15 players, I'd be surprised. And that leads into the other West Australian who didn't play in the first test because of his injury that he incurred in the home test series here. Uh, Didn't play with the Scorchers because of that finger injury. Went uh, with the Australian team to India. Was ruled out through injury in the first test. Is seemingly unlikely even to get up for the second test that starts on Friday. So Cam Green is an injured player at the moment in the Australian test team. Would he have been better spent to stay here and get local medical attention and maybe assist as quick as he can his rehabilitation to when he's 100% right and then, of course, join the team in India rather than maybe just sit around at this stage? Oh, potentially. I think where Greeny's injury was at was that they were still hopeful that they could get him up for the first, for the first test. And you know, his role in that Australian team for the last 18 months has been has been really important, but there's not a place in the world that's more important than than having his all-round skills in India. So I think they were hopeful that they could get him up 
for the first test. Again, Greeny hasn't played a lot of cricket in India. Um, I think the more that he can be there and acclimatise and prepare, he's going to have four months there with his IPL stint. So um, there's probably a case for maybe leaving him at home. But I, I think um, I think with his with his, his sort of skill set and where he's where he was at, um, you know, the, the the finger was in a was in a pretty good place. But um, and I think the you know the staff on the ground with their Triple SM staff are, are outstanding. So I think their ability to manage that and um, be across where he was at probably is a bit more beneficial maybe than potentially playing a shield game and then heading off. So I think he's a pretty in- integral part of that team, um, particularly in India. And, um, yeah, giving him the time to get that right and, and acclimatise to India probably um, makes a bit of sense. Good on you, Kate. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, we appreciate your time and thanks for giving us your spin on certainly the, the West Australians. They're currently are lying, lying a bit idle there with the Australian uh, cricket team in India. Thanks for your time. No worries. Cheers, Pete. Good on you. Uh, that's uh, Kate Harvey joining us here on uh, Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. It's 28 past five. As I said, we'll take a break. Uh, Brett Bonetti's not far away. He's got some breaking news regarding uh, UFC and the full wash-up to what was a huge event uh, yesterday. Uh, We'll go to Brett Shorley. We'll just take a break and come back with what was an extraordinary game of soccer last night. I don't know if you saw it. It was just extraordinary. You don't see it very often. I'll explain next here on Sports Day. Sports Day WA, all thanks to Kia with Peter Vlahos here on this Monday. What a weekend it was. We've mentioned that a couple of times. Of course, headed by what happened at RAC Arena yesterday. We saw the footage. We saw the fans. We saw the cross-section of people that went along for what was a significant event. Okay, the police presence was there, but only there for safety reasons. Well-behaved was the crowd and certainly from a visual point of view, it was a real spectacular. And that man that was uh, basically ringside, whatever you like to call it, uh, octagon side, is Brett Bonetti. Of course, our MMA and boxing expert here on the Sports Day. Brett, thanks for your time. Good afternoon, Peter. Great to join you once again. You call it octagon side, don't you? Yeah, cage side is fine, but yeah, octagon side, wherever, however you like to put it, Peter, there's no going wrong. You sound like you're still on a massive high. That was a massive day yesterday, wasn't it? Uh, you said it best. It was spectacular. It was a you know, huge success. The event was sensational. And not only that, this UFC 284 set a new record for RAC Arena, the highest grossing gate of all time there for the history of that arena. And they uh, grossed $5.9 million just for the gates alone. And uh, imagine how well it did with the pay-per-view buys across the world. It was huge. And hence, people asked, why was it so early? It uh, got underway at 7 a.m. The reason was because of pay-per-view and television rights, particularly into the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, that's right. Again, the, the event was so big across the world. And, and the, the main event, we'll get into the main event shortly, but the main event was such a significant fight. All eyes were on Perth, Western Australia because of this. And uh, again, uh, the the event was a huge success. Let's look at the main event. And it lived up to expectations, didn't it, Brett? It was a classic. It was huge. It was such a sensational fight. Uh, The only downside is uh, Alex Volkanovsky didn't get the nod with the judges. So Islam Makachev defending his lightweight title against, uh, again, uh, a huge uh, performance by Alex, the great Volkanovsky. And, uh, and he was unlucky not to get the win. It was a very close fight. Let's break it down, Brett. It was a, a great fight. Uh, many thought the Aussie maybe was robbed. And there were some jeers when the decision was made. What were your thoughts on it? 
Was it the right decision? There, there was always going to be jeers because obviously it was Alexander Volkanovsky's home crowd. And I was really hoping that he would get the nod. But look, it's not a robbery because robberies are those sort of fights when a guy clearly wins. But there's some people that think that uh, that Volkanovsky won. There's some people think that Makachev won. So the judges you know, seem to think that Makachev did, did enough. And uh, and look, I, I actually thought that Makachev won 48-47 when I was watching it live. I'd have to go back and uh, watch the, the fight again, just like others have done. But uh, look, it was a really close fight. No robbery. I was really hoping I was wrong because in a close fight, it can go either way. And it really come down to round two for me. I think that round one, uh, Islam Makachev won with his control. Round two was re- really close. And that was the round that, uh, that I thought that could have gone to Volkanovski. Uh, but I gave the very slight edge to Makachev. But again, I was hoping I was wrong with that. Round three, I thought Volkanovski took. And round four is the one, the round that I really think that cost Volkanovski the fight on uh, on two of the judges' scorecards anyway, because he got taken down. And and he said leading into this fight, if Volkanovski was able to get this this fight into rounds four and five, I think his cardio is so much better than uh, than anyone else on the on in the world. That including Makachev, and it showed during the fight that he was, was able to take over. But Makachev was able to get the takedown and time up the majority of the round. Uh, and unfortunately, he took round four, but round five was all Alex Volkanovsky and uh, heard Makachev late, and uh, and the crowd was so loud. We'll get into the crowd once again very shortly, but uh, that's probably the way it uh, sort of ended up. Uh, and you know, look, one of the judges scored an out about 49-46, and only gave round five to Volkanovski. I think that was definitely wrong. That that judge should have at least give uh, round three to Volkanovski. Uh, but other than that. Uh, it was a huge performance. And, look, I still believe, and it's my opinion, that Alex Volkanovsky is the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. Makachev, in the post-fight press conference, gets on saying that I'm now the best fighter in the world. But, look, that was the weight class. He won the fight in the weight class. Pound-for-pound isn't about that. And Volkanovsky almost won. So I still believe that, you know, Alex Volkanovsky is still the best pound-for-pound uh, fighter on the planet. Fantastic. Well, we know our very own Jack Della Maddalena. I actually watched it again today, and he defeated, as we know, uh, the veteran American Randy Brown in what was a first-round submission. That was very impressive. So where does Jack go from here? Uh, again, he is the real deal. We said he was the real deal before this, but, again, Randy Brown is a very good fighter. He 14 fights in the UFC. He had going... Going to this fight, Randy Brown it looked impressive in winning four in a row. Uh, but Jack Della Maddalena, last year, three knockouts, first round, and gets the submission in the first round. So that's four stoppages in the first round of the UFC for, for Perth's uh, Jack Della Maddalena. And the crowd was so good for this fight as well. Uh, look, he's going to want a top 15 opponent. And I don't think there's fighters out there who want to face Jack Della. I um, mean, he's that good. Uh, and I think they want to avoid him. So, But he's going to get a good fight. He's going to get, take a holiday at Bali uh, and then come back and get back into training, and he wants to probably get in there pretty soon, probably over in the States. But uh, a lot of the world is talking about our very own Jack Della Maddalena. I can't wait to see him again. But Huge. the sky's the limit for him. And yeah, he, walked, he walked into ACDC TNT. Is that correct? That's right. And the crowd was singing along. They were so loud for the entrances of Jack Della and also Alex Volkanovsky, but... You know, going back to the main event, the booze that came out for Islam Makachev, the crowd was so good, so loud. 
And uh, and Dave Shaw was uh, asked about this from the UFC in the post-fight press conference, and uh, he said one of the loudest crowds he's ever heard across the world. So that's how good it was, and uh, and the UFC will definitely be back in Australia. Yeah, and the who's who was there. We'll come to that in just a sec. The co-main event, tell us more about that. And is Volkanovski's next opponent likely to come from the co-main event? I think so. I mean, that's what, he was looking for a clear number one contender in his featherweight division where Alexander Volkanovsky holds the belt. And uh, he's got one now. Yair Rodriguez, very impressive against uh, Josh Emmett, getting the uh, submission in the second round and, uh, and looked good. So congratulations to Yair. He's got a great attitude. And he's going to want to fight that, uh, get that next fight against Alex, Alexander Volkanovsky to unify the titles once again. But look, I think that uh, if that fight doesn't happen, I think the rematch between Alexander Volkanovsky and Makachev uh, could be next because a lot of people are calling that because it was such a great fight. But you don't want to be holding up the featherweight division either. But Alexander Volkanovsky wants to get in there pretty much straight away. And I think that uh, in a fight against uh, Rodriguez, I think he's too good. I think that uh, Alexander Volkanovsky is something special. So is Makachev. But... Uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen in the announcements of fights in the next uh, few weeks. But, uh, but again, Alexander Volkanovsky still got his eye on that lightweight title. He wants to get back there and have another shot at Makachev. Uh, and I think that uh, you know, Volkanovsky is the only one in the world who can beat Makachev, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, Makachev is something special as well. Number one and two pound-for-pound fighters in the, in the world. You don't get to see that too often. The stars aligned, and we got to see it in Perth. Just give us a wrap on the rest of the card and what were the highlights from that, because it was a big day. Justin Tupper, who's a heavyweight, who uh, you know, got scored a uh, knockout punch in the uh, in the first round against Parker Porter. Congratulations to him. Jimmy Crude and Alonzo Medifield. I told you that was a fight to look out for, and that was a, a great fight. It ended up being a draw, so they'll run that back. Uh, but that was a back-and-forth fight where both fighters were very tired. Both guys hurt. Can't believe it actually went the distance in that one. So that was a magnificent one. So they'll run one, that one back. Uh, disappointing performance by Tyson Pedro. So we'll see where he goes from there. And uh, Josh Colabau, uh scored a great submission near, near naked choke against his opponent. And J- Jamie Malarkey got the win uh, in his fight. And also congratulations to another Eternal MMA product, Jack Jenkins who uh, scored a good win over John Shannis in the uh, the main fight of the early uh, prelim portion of the card. So, great day for the Aussies all around. Good on you, Brad. And before we let you go, Eternal 73 happened at HBF Stadium on Saturday night. You were there. You've had a big one. Uh, tell us about that uh, briefly, the big one on Saturday night. Yeah, it was a magnificent fight, uh, the event, and it was great to be there. I was there, Kate's side. It was uh, broadcast on USC Fight Pass. And uh, big news coming out of that, was that uh, Stephen Astroboy Ursegg was in the main event and very impressive, scored a rear naked choke over his uh, Japanese uh, opponent a minute and a half into the fight. And uh, I think he got a lot of frustrations out as well. 2022 is meant to be the year of Stephen Astroboy Ursegg. Uh, he was supposed to fight on Dana White's contender series. And uh, what happened is that he had visa issues, couldn't fight, uh, was unfortunately couldn't get a fight for the year. Uh, so he, he would have been in the fire, uh, the card at UFC 284 yesterday if things went his way. But uh, he was pretty frustrated, took it out on his opponent. But the great news is that Mick Maynard and Hunter Campbell, they are UFC matchmakers. They went to Eternal MMA at HBS Stadium on Saturday night to watch Stephen Ersteg. So watch this space because I think I've always described Stephen Ersteg as UFC ready. 
I believe he's ready for the UFC. And I think they were very impressed by his performance. I think they will get uh, Stephen Erseg in the studio at SEN with you, Peter, because I'm looking forward to seeing what's next for this young, bright uh, prospect because I think he's going to follow Jack Della Maddalena into the UFC. That's big news. Good on you, Brett. Thanks for uh, joining us. What a great wrap that has been from what was a significant event yesterday here in Perth. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Peter. Enjoy the fights. Brett Benetti loves his fights and uh, he certainly describes it very well for those people that uh, couldn't get there yesterday to RAC Arena. Gave me a, a nice snapshot on what was a significant event. Now for New Farm Australian through and through, let's have a check on Perth and the Bunbury weather for tomorrow. For Perth, we are looking at a sunny day. The temperature's dropping down to 27 tomorrow and 19 tonight. Sunny conditions will have south to southwesterlies blowing throughout the day, 25 to 35 knots, so there'll be a, a fraction fresh. Uh, Wednesday, 26, the expected top. In fact, it's staying in the 20s all week. So a fairly mild week uh, weather-wise for, what is it, the second last week of summer. And for Bunbury, 15 to 28, the temperature range tomorrow and on Wednesday, 25 degrees. Again, uh, a fairly mild uh, next couple of days. All thanks to New Farm's products. They are formulated with the highest quality right here in Australia. New Farm Australian through and through. Thanks for joining us here on Sports Day WA. I'll be back again tomorrow from 5. Have a great Monday night. Thanks to Jimmy and Lee for all their help.